This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Gautam Adani, India's richest man, began selling $2.4 billion worth of shares in Adani Enterprises, his sprawling conglomerate, despite an attack by a short seller. Hindenburg Research accuses the wider Adani group of dodgy accounting practices that it says artificially inflated the share price, a charge the group vigorously denies. India's opposition Congress party has called for an investigation into the alleged corporate fraud. The mud seemed to be sticking. Adani Enterprises' share price dropped by 17% on Friday. Adani total gases sank by 20%. At least seven people were killed by a Palestinian gunman at a synagogue in East Jerusalem. On Thursday, Israeli troops killed nine Palestinians during a military raid on a Jenin refugee camp in the occupied West Bank, the deadliest raid on the camp in years. Israeli forces said they were targeting Islamist militants. President Joe Biden named Jeff Zients to replace Ron Klain as the White House chief of staff. The businessman, who co-owns a popular bagel chain in Washington, D.C., coordinated the Biden administration's COVID response. The reshuffle comes at a delicate moment. Mr. Biden is under fire for his handling of classified documents as his party gears up for a presidential re-election campaign next year. A group of Ukrainian soldiers arrived in Germany and will soon commence training on 40 martyr fighting vehicles that Berlin pledged to Ukraine. The training begins days after Olaf Scholz, Germany's chancellor, promised, after much dithering, to send German-made Leopard 2 tanks to fight Russia. The West has stepped up its military support for Ukraine in anticipation of an upcoming Russian offensive. South Korea's National Pension Fund will run out by 2055, two years earlier than expected, according to an official forecast. The service, which is the world's third largest, had 915 trillion won, or $743.1 billion, of funds at the end of October. South Korea's president, Yoon Suk-yeol, had promised sweeping pension reforms to counter the effects of a shrinking population and low economic growth. Britain's Chancellor Jeremy Hunt outlined his long-term plan to boost economic growth. He said the government will delay tax cuts until it has curbed inflation, which ran at 9.2% in December. Britain's government faces criticism for overseeing soaring living costs and industrial sluggishness, including a collapse in British carmaking. Mr. Hunt rejected, quote, declinism and said Britain could become the next Silicon Valley. Hong Kong labeled cannabidiol, CBD, quote, a dangerous drug and banned it from next Wednesday. CBD, a non-psychoactive cannabis compound that has shown promise in reducing anxiety and pain, is currently available in bars and shops. Trafficking and manufacturing CBD can carry a maximum penalty of life imprisonment and a 5 million Hong Kong dollar or $639,000 fine. Possession will also be punished. And word of the week, blat, Russian for an economy of favors, meaning one based on contacts, cunning, and petty bribery. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Trump campaign begins again. 
On Saturday, Donald Trump will be in South Carolina trying to write the rocky start to his 2024 presidential bid. Mr. Trump announced his comeback campaign days after his party endured a humiliating setback in the midterm elections. Since then, he has been plagued by scandal, including one over his dinner with a white nationalist. The growing appeal of rivals such as Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has left the former president's grip on the Republican Party in question. Mr. Trump's event in South Carolina will not be one of the epic rallies he is known for, but a staid address at the State House for an audience of 500. It is proving difficult for the campaign to muster Republican grandees to appear behind him because so many are holding their endorsements until other challengers arrive. The king's return may be a prelude not to a happy coronation, but a bloody civil war. In search of gas, Italy looks to Libya. On Saturday, Libya's National Oil Corporation will sign a giant gas deal with ENI, Italy's oil major. The $8 billion agreement, part of a broader plan by Giorgia Maloney, Italy's prime minister, to deepen energy ties with Africa, will allow ENI to develop two of Libya's offshore gas fields. NOC says the sites could ultimately produce a total of 24 million cubic meters of gas a day, about an eighth of what Italy currently consumes. By reducing its gas exports to Europe, Russia has triggered a hunt for alternative supplies. In 2022, the EU inked gas deals with Azerbaijan, Egypt, and Israel, among others. Many countries in the bloc are pursuing agreements on their own. This one, though, looks trickier than most. Political instability and civil war have long prevented Libya from capitalizing on its vast natural energy reserves. Two rival factions still claim that they control the country. The eastern-based parliament says the government in Tripoli, the capital, lacks the legitimacy to sign anything. Stumble at the Royal Rumble Every January since 1988, World Wrestling Entertainment has gathered its elite wrestlers together for its Royal Rumble. Unlike other wrestling events, competitors enter the ring at fixed times rather than at the start. The lycra-clad Hall of Fame includes Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and The Rock, who have each come out on top over the years. This year's event, held in San Antonio, Texas on Saturday, also comes with plenty of drama outside the ring. Vince McMahon retired as WWE's chief executive last year after an internal investigation found that he had paid $15 million to settle sexual misconduct allegations by four women. However, he returned to the board of directors this month and has hired J.P. Morgan to explore selling WWE. With a market capitalization of $6.3 billion, the world's largest wrestling institution has bidders circling. Decades after it was founded, its scripted theatrics continue to keep fans enthralled. Psychotherapy on Screen Jimmy Laird, the protagonist of Shrinking, a new series from Apple TV+, is a very bad therapist. Grieving his dead wife and stupefied by drinking, drugs, and self-pity, he ditches the guiding rules of his profession and decides to become a psychological vigilante. He tells one patient to leave her husband or he will stop treating her, and invites another to live in his spare room. The number of Americans that report having been treated for mental health has almost doubled since 2002. That explains why portrayals of therapy are proliferating on screen in shows such as The Patient, Couples Therapy, and Stutz.
Though few therapists want to be seen as vigilantes, they will understand the need for a compelling narrative arc. More concerning in their eyes would be to suggest that treatment makes no difference. Weekend Profile Olga Tsukanova, Russian Anti-Mobilization Activist Last weekend, Olga Tsukanova was heading to Moscow from her home in Samara, near the border with Kazakhstan, to deliver 700 letters written by disgruntled mothers of Russian soldiers to the prosecutor's office. But at an airport in Samara, she was detained, not for the first time, and warned that she may be charged with, quote, discrediting the army. Ms. Tsukanova has become the face of protests against Vladimir Putin's mobilization of Russian troops, though she is also uncomfortably close to peddlers of conspiracies about the war. Ms. Tsukanova is a 46-year-old mother who says her son, who joined the army in July, faced pressure to deploy to Ukraine despite earlier assurances that he would not have to. An official says her son is serving inside Russia. After Mr. Putin announced a, quote, partial mobilization of recruits in September, Ms. Tsukanova formed the Council of Mothers and Wives, which campaigns for better conditions for troops. Russian authorities have tolerated some criticism of the army's incompetence in Ukraine, but there is little room for dissent in Mr. Putin's Russia. The government stifled opposition even before the invasion last February. Ms. Tsukanova's organization has become a vehicle for broader anger over the military mobilization, a stance that avoids a blatant anti-war message but puts authorities in an awkward position. To shut down the group would look bad, and Mr. Putin clearly recognizes the symbolic power of a soldier's mother. In November, he convened a televised meeting of women the Kremlin said were mothers of troops serving in Ukraine. All were sympathetic to the government. Ms. Tsukanova rebuked Mr. Putin for excluding her. The next month, she was stopped by police. Quote, they are afraid of us, she declared. This is not Ms. Tsukanova's first foray into politics. She once stood as a candidate for Volya, a party that was later banned. Its leader, Svetlana Ladarus, is a spiritual healer and noted conspiracy theorist who once ran for president of Russia. Now, Ms. Tsukanova's activism is complicated by her ties to another organization affiliated with Ms. Ladarus. The National Union of the Revival of Russia calls for the restoration of the Soviet Union and peddles anti-Semitic lies about the war's origins. Ms. Tsukanova's council distributes that group's conspiracy theories about COVID-19 vaccines. To confront Mr. Putin's regime, one must be either courageous or crazy. Ms. Tsukanova may be both. Quiz Winners Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random, were Alastair Brocky, Sterling, Scotland Remzi Sylvia Mustafa, Krakow, Poland Vincent H. Resch, El Cerrito, United States They all gave the correct answers of Capri, Zephyr, Thunderbirds, Taurus, and Cortina de Ampezzo. The theme is they are, or were, Ford car models. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Nellie Bly. To have a good brain, the stomach must be cared for. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, 
The Intelligence on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.